This is Pave It Black. everyone and welcome to another episode of Pave It Black, the official podcast of the National Asphalt Pavement Association. My name is Richard Willis and I'll be hosting today's podcast. I'd like to welcome to the conversation Dr. Adam Hand. Dr. Adam Hand works for the University of Nevada at Reno and has past experience working for Granite Construction. Welcome Adam and could you just spend a minute or so telling us a little bit about yourself? Well hello Richard and uh, thank you for the opportunity to, to get to participate in this series. Uh, my, my background is um, I uh, went, to, went to school at Nevada and then uh, went to uh, Purdue and worked as a faculty for a few years and then, then spent 16 years in the construction industry and I was in several different roles from quality engineer to, to uh, things in engineering uh, technology and then I did some design work on design build projects and ultimately really focused on quality in all of those roles. And uh, sort of towards the, the end of the time period that I was at Granite, I was working more on strategy and, and uh, integration of quality in the both heavy civil businesses and the, uh, the paving businesses. Today, we're gonna do a segment that's called What If? I'm gonna ask you a question. What if I took something away from you and I want you to think through how would that then impact your business or how would you, it impact you in academia? I would say six months ago, it may not have been on anyone's mind, but in the, throw, in the throes of dealing with coronavirus and COVID-19, this what if has become a reality to many universities and many companies. We'll start off by talking about your role at UNR. And I ask you the question, what if I take away classrooms? What well, that's if I, a take away that ability to have face-to-face, hands-on learning with students. How do I produce civil engineers? How do I get people into the construction industry? Well, that's a, that's a very timely question, obviously, Richard. I think there, there are really two questions there. One, the, the first one is, what would we do without the classrooms? Today, we have technology that you know, we're being forced to, to use just um, this week we began to do all online classes at UNR, and it's no different than other institutions across the country. In response to the, you know, what's going on with the, the virus, um, universities have gone online, and it's working pretty well. Quite honestly, uh, young folks embrace technology, and old guys like me are not uh, uh, as willing to embrace it, but uh, going to the online platform has been very successful so far. Tell you one challenge though, especially with engineering courses, is the labs. So it, it's one thing to to have a lecture using Zoom or some some tool, and you know be able to have a whiteboard where you can go and even scratch some equation on the board if you will, or draw draw a graph. But it's another when you take the labs away from the students. There's something you know very intuitive, or there's significant learning that goes on in a lab environment that. You know, we are trying today to make videos and use those videos as lab experiences for the, for the students. And it, it's not going to be the same. They're not going to know the smell of asphalt. 
They're not going to be in a lab and know the true risks associated with, you know, the not risk, but the, the, the need for PPE um, and the fact that you're working with a hot product when you're dealing with asphalt. They're not going to see it compacted the way, you know, they, they would see it if they were actually in the room. So I think that is our, our biggest challenge with the, with the classroom being taken away. You know, going online is not a big deal. We can do tests online. There are, you know, there are a lot of resources to take a course online. The other thing that, that has been a challenge for me is with this particular, one of the two courses I'm teaching this semester, I do uh, field trips and, and they're just around campus. And the, the class includes construction materials, which obviously I, I highlight asphalt mixtures in it quite a bit, but we walk around campus at the end of each material and look at applications of those materials. Again, with the, this current environment, we're not able to do that. The students have left campus. There's, there's no one on campus. The doors are, are locked on the buildings. And so it's another you know, piece of the experience that we've had to give up. Yeah, I remember thinking back to not only as a, as a student, but in teaching civil engineering materials at Auburn University for eight years. It's all theoretical until you give the student that opportunity to be there in the laboratory experience. And my mom still remembers. I called her after the first asphalt lab we had at Auburn as an undergraduate student there. And she was like, what you said was, hey, mom, I got to hold 325 degree asphalt in my hand for the first time today. Without the lab, there's not that physical connection. And there, there's not the ability to understand, hey, if I made a mistake and this bulk specific gravity looks wrong, where might that have happened in the whole process? So I agree with you that that's gonna be one of the biggest challenges. And since we're not necessarily sure when this is gonna end and students may be having to do this over the summer, how do we overcome some of these obstacles and move towards more of a, a virtual lab setting? Or is, or is we just gonna have to do the best we can with videos? Right now, we're doing the best we can with videos because we've, you know, we were sort of thrust into this. We got a, uh, you know, notification a, about a week before it had to be done. We can do a better job with the videos that we're doing. So, so I think, you know, video technology is a, is a good tool. The other thing that I think we can do that will will be better in the future that we're we're not doing right now is to do the labs live. So it could still be a video experience, but the the participants or the, the folks watching would get to see the person performing the activity truly react rather than you know just be acting, if you will, uh, because. They're, they're a little bit staged right now, right? If you're going to do a, I don't know, you're going to compact a specimen, right? So you, you go through your, your mixing and that's pretty, that happens pretty quick, but then you have to short-term age your, your specimen. So you, you stop the video, you, you put, or you put the, the mix sample in, in the pan, put it in the oven, you stop the video, you come back and the, and the person's pulling the pan out of the, the oven, things like that where we wouldn't let the video run for two hours, obviously, but there would be more, if we use more time and we had the instructors not so much be focused on making sure they get all the content in, in a very short amount of time, but rather on being cognizant of the fact that the folks that are watching the videos don't get the opportunity to be there and they need to share some of that experience. 
our asphalt lab almost become like a cooking show where you where you used to see emerald put something into the oven partially done and then he pulls out the thing that's been in the oven for two and a half hours so that the person doesn't have to sit there but then they get to see kind of the end product yeah yeah and it's funny you know we use that an analogy all the time making you know making asphalt specimens in a lab is kind of like making cookies at home right you've you've got raw ingredients and you know we mix them up and put them in the oven and then and then take them out and and compact them into the finished form that we want them yeah so so and and i'm sure that i and i'm i'm confident that that with what's going on right now such a unique time that all industries and all universities everybody is going to recognize the need to be able to deliver better online content and deal with these things like laboratories whether it's you know an asphalt lab or a human anatomy anatomy lab right so so I, i'm confident that there will be improvements in technology you know sort of the virtual world right maybe, maybe we were there quicker than uh, we, we would have been had this not happened. So let's kind of take a swerve a little bit. And I, I want you to think back to your time at Granite. Because yeah. one of the things at, at Granite that you had to deal with, especially when dealing with quality issues, are things like your technician certifications. And a component of that, even according to the Code of Federal Regulations, is hands-on training. How do you, how's a contractor do you deal with having in-person trainings and classrooms being canceled. Do you have to, to hope for uh, just right now while we're figuring this out, extensions on certifications and people being lenient? Or do you think we're going to have to start even looking at the way we adjust and doing technician certifications because the classroom may not be a viable option always in the future? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's another very good and, and, and timely question, Richard. The, you know, we're experiencing this again um, right now with the Nevada Technician Training and uh, Certification Program. And um, I got a, a text this morning about the fact that, you know, the laboratory's closed and people aren't going to be able to come in and, and take their, their proficiency portion of their, their renewal. So I think it's a fantastic question. I, I'm not sure where we go with that because the, the proficiency portion of that certification is so critical. And, and I agree that proficiency in these tests are critical. I, going back to the cooking analogy we had earlier, I was like, just because I can read a recipe and I can quote it, doesn't mean that I can make it taste good at the end. I, I've seen a number of things go wrong in just the way me reading a recipe and how things tasted. But <laughs> is there a way for technicians to maybe shadow people and uh, through the, the QA process that we have, see if maybe they can be verified through as the state verifies a contractor's test result, show that they are proficient and they are getting the right results um, and they are running things in the right way. I think it, we just may need to start thinking outside the box a little bit to still prove proficiency. Yeah, no, I, I, I think we're, on this, we're, we're in the same, same place, Richard. My thoughts there were, were that they still need to demonstrate proficiency, right? And, right. and I think that, you know, the, the different training and certification programs are different or, or around the country, but, um, but the, the piece where the person is actually performing the work and, you know, and again, demonstrating their, their proficiency, it wouldn't necessarily have to be in a 
a classroom environment. It could be in a in an in operating lab environment. And I know of, of at least one program where that that actually occurs. There's the participants actually go into a, a working lab and they they perform tests in that lab. It's not a, it's not an academic environment. It's not a community college. It's it's industry labs, and it even rotates into different laboratories. And anytime there's there's a group from the outside sort of looking in, your operation's going to get tuned up. So I think it, it probably benefits the industry as a whole um, having the program that's set up that way. I agree. I think it's it's during sometimes like challenging times like these where we really have to evaluate the standard operating procedures we've dealt with and used effectively for so long and start thinking, are there possibly new and better models that we can we can implement to really keep the same amount of quality? Because that's something, whether you're in education or whether you're running a QA program for a construction pro, uh, company, quality is something you can't lose. It's something that's always got to be at the forefront of your mind. Part of the experience that, that I lived through at Granite was going to uh, ISO certification for a quality management system. And we learned things that it wasn't a crisis, right? It wasn't like something got taken away today. It was a, it was a different standard and it was a different, different mindset. And even the way some folks interpreted the ISO requirements would be one way. And other folks that were thinking about rather than you know, what do we have to do to meet this requirement? Folks that looked at it from the perspective of how can we most efficiently accomplish the intent of the requirement and deliver the, the highest quality in that process in a timely manner? Because if you look at the, the ISO system of, of standards, you could get really bogged down in documentation. Thinking about the problem from a different perspective rather than I've read this, I've interpreted it this way, we have to do it. Well, Adam, is, are there any other thoughts that you have related to this or do you have any kind of closing thoughts? So Richard, on the, the, the industry's role in, in working with universities, I think there, there's a great opportunity. If the business engages the university, by simply inviting undergraduate students out to their plants for a tour, for example. It might be associated with the undergraduate construction materials class, right? And uh, you know, if they're paving in town, it's close to the university, invite classes out, even like ASCE student chapters, for example. Invite them out and, and let the folks see what, what the industry is, is all about. And, you know, it's, an, it's, it's exciting to be at a plant. It's exciting to be on a job. You're absolutely right. While we typically think that learning happens in the classroom, there's so much more where people can develop learning and passion outside of it as well. Um, we just have to be aware of and give people those opportunities to experience the kind of things that drew us into the industry as well. I want to thank you, Adam, for being a part of this uh, podcast today. And and sharing some of your insights for what's been going on around specifically with your job right now at the university, but how it may have impacted you at Granite as well when you were there. Um, and with that, I just want to thank all of the listeners for being a part of this podcast. Um, this is Pave It Black, the official podcast of the National Asphalt Pavement Association. And I just 
wish you safety and health in the coming weeks and in the future. Thank you. Pave It Black is produced by Monica Dutcher of the National Asphalt Pavement Association with podcasting music credits to Colleague. You can find Pave It Black on most of your favorite platforms, including SoundCloud and iTunes, or at www.asphaltpavement.org podcast. If you would like to suggest someone for us to interview, please email Richard Willis at rwillis at asphaltpavement.org. That's R-W-I-L-L-I-S at asphaltpavement.org. Until next time, keep paving it black.